Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. How y'all doing today? Everybody good? How many of y'all are blessed today? How many of y'all are glad to be in church today? I want to give a shout out to our first time guests. You know who you are. Come on, one more time. And if some of you are passing the bucket, but come on, we'll do your best. Come on. Thank you for being with us today. It's cooling off a little bit, isn't it? It's feeling good outside. But um, if you don't know already, my name is Pastor Scott. I'm so thrilled to be with you here today. And I got a message for you today from the Lord's Prayer. Raise your hand or let me hear it from you if you've enjoyed this series so far. I trust you do. That's why you're here. So that's awesome. Hey, real quick, um, when I'm done with this series, which should be in the next um, soon, um, two to three weeks, something like that. Uh, after we're done with that, we're going to start a new series on the life of Abraham. Oh, you like that. I was thinking about Leviticus, but I'm like, okay, let's do Abraham. (laughs) I keep talking about that. One day I'm going to do it. Jimmy liked that. Um, But I'm going to start a a series on the life of Abraham from Genesis 11 into about chapter 22-ish. And so that's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. God's going to speak to us through that series. And so uh, you have that to look forward to with me. Uh, Also, hey, this coming Wednesday, uh, we have a special night of prayer right here at the Midtown campus, and my good friend, Pastor Gabe Smith, is going to be right here, and he's going to be sharing the word with us and uh, exercising his spiritual prophetic gifting, and so we're going we're gonna to have a great time of worship and uh, hear a little word, but we're going to pray, we're going to cry out to God, and how many of y'all know Pastor Gabe? Pastor Gabe, Pastor Gabe. Well, if you don't know Pastor Gabe, he's one again, one of my great friends. Um, I, my wife and I, we pastored the Broussard campus where he and his wife Lauren now pastor. We were there four years, and we pastored that campus, handed it over in 2018, that summer, and then we started the Bible College that summer, and then it was the fall. Some of you remember this, the fall of 2018, when Pastor Nick Carroll said, "Hey, would you like to come preach at Midtown?" And how many of y'all know I've been preaching ever since? <laughs> so anyway, uh, here ever since. So anyway, back in those days, I had the opportunity when I was in Broussard of uh, working with Pastor Gabe. He worked there with me. So he is one of my great friends. He's going to bring such an incredible gifting to our night of prayer. So uh, 6.30, an hour or so of power. So come. And do we have child care, Pastor David? So uh, leave your kids at home. I mean your little ones. I'm talking about little, little ones. Bring your older ones uh, if you want to bring your babies. You can. I know one prayer meeting we had, the babies and the kids were all crawling around the front. And we're all caught up in the third heaven. It didn't matter anyway. But, yeah, bring the family. Yeah, um, But um, that's going to be a great time. So I want to invite you out to that. All right. So let's get into the Lord's Prayer. I'm fired up about this petition that we're going to look at today. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at uh, really verse 11. Okay, we've been going verse by verse through this prayer, 
And uh, we're going to spend the next, you know, little, little bit of time here, 35, 45 minutes, something like that, uh, uh, looking at this verse and some themes around it. So go ahead and turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay, because we're going to have uh, the verse here, uh, verse 11, that we're going to look at, and all the others on the screen. And so you're going to need to hold your place in the Lord's Prayer, because we're going to go to a few other scriptures around this to help make sense of it. But if you remember, uh, so far we've, we've looked at the, the first three petitions. Uh, today we're going to look at the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, and I'm super fired up about this one. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, very simply is this, Our Daily Bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our daily bread. Lord, you are our provider, Jehovah Jireh, our provider in every season, in every situation. Come on, let's lift our hands to our Father. Our Father, we thank you. For providing for us. Thank you for splitting that rock, for causing water to come forth. Thank you for raining down manna from heaven. Thank you, Lord. Though we've been through so many trying, hard, difficult situations, Lord, you have been our constant source, our constant provider. And we thank you today, God. We are blessed, and we're blessed not on accident. We're not blessed because we're lucky. God, we're blessed because we are your children, and you are our God, and you take care of us, Lord. And we thank you today. We give you praise today, Father, in advance. Come on, can we begin to thank him right now? Put your hands together if you are thankful for God's blessing and for him more than anything. Come on, give him more praise. Let's just begin today. Thank you, Father. You're a great Father. Come on, give him more. You're a great Father. You are good, and you only do good. Come on, keep your hands lifted. And so we enter right in today. Keep your hands lifted. We enter in today with thanksgiving, with praise, and with great gratitude in our hearts for you, God. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, the greatest provision that you'll ever give. We thank you for him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, everyone said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that felt good, didn't it? All right. Well, let's look here at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Let's start at the beginning, then we're going to focus on verse 11. Jesus says to pray then like this. Come on, can we read this together? Our Father in heaven, how would it be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here it is, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Wow. What a simple but very, at the same time, profound petition here. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice here, it's not individually give me my daily bread. It's give what? Give who? Give us, us, our daily bread. So far in this prayer, we've looked at, again, three petitions before today. The petition that God's name would be hallowed in the world, that his name would be set apart in the earth. We prayed for his what? His kingdom to, for his will to be here as there. Yeah, we, we, we've gone through that so far. Well, now we're, 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 we're focusing now on our, our personal needs. We, we've looked to heaven, we've looked to the Father, but now what I love about this prayer is that now it, it, it focuses on our daily needs, our daily provision. And I think most of us here have, have prayed this 
petition before as we've gone through um, hard times perhaps in our lives. Maybe you've prayed this just as a regular routine petition uh, and it didn't really mean a lot to you. But let me say this. In order to understand what daily bread really means, we have to go back into Jesus' time and understand what it meant back then. And so in Jesus' day, like today in some regards, laborers were paid daily. Now, the rich had money. Some people were paid in different measures at different times, but a lot of people were paid daily. That means they would get up in the morning, they would go find work, and if they found work, they would get paid that day for that work, and then the money that they got paid would then go for, you know, toward the provision for the next day's provision. So you work a day, you get paid for that day, and that money then is for the provision, which is pretty simple and straightforward. But if a person did not work a certain day, then that person did not get paid that day. And if that person did not get paid that day, then they would not have money for that day or the next day. Pretty simple, right? That's the way many people lived in the first century. And how many of y'all know that's how many people even live today, sadly? You know, there are people in the world and even in our community who live day to day. They live day to day. The homeless live day to day. They don't have enough stored up for the week, definitely not for the month, definitely not for a year. There are people who have just enough for the what? For the day. And so in Jesus' day, when he, when he gave this petition, he's teaching his disciples to pray in a certain way that would cause them to be dependent upon God every day, no matter what they had. But if you're in this mindset of living day to day, getting daily bread for the day, then you would really understand the importance of looking to your God, to your Father, to provide everything you need for that particular day. And so that's the background here of daily bread. It's just that. It's God, give me today what I need for today. Give me today what I need to carry out your will in my life. I've said it before. Let me say it again. How many of y'all know God will always give you everything you need? He will not always give you everything you want. He will always give you everything that you need. And by the way, today, if you don't have it, it's because right now you don't need it. But when you do need it, God will be faithful to provide it at the moment, not before, not after, but right when you need it. How many of y'all can testify that you didn't have something before, but then when you got into the situation, you needed it and God provided it right then and there. And so what does that do? That creates a mindset where you're dependent upon him in the moment, yes, but even before saying, God, you're my God, you're my provider, you know what I need and when I need it, and you're going to be faithful to give it. But what that creates is a heart of dependence upon God. Now, when we read this petition, I can look around here. Maybe there's an exception, but pretty much every person in this place, you've got enough provision, you've got enough food, you've got enough bread in your home, not just for the day, but for the what? Come on, Cajuns. For the week, some people, come on, you've got that freezer full of food. That could last you how long? Somebody shout it out. How long you got? Somebody says six months. I'm coming to your house whenever there's a 
a shortage. I'll be at your place. I'm your pastor. The one who's taught must teach or must give with, uh, to the one who teaches. I'm going to be over there and you're going to share those goodies with me. But, but, but think about us to how blessed we are. Are we blessed? Maybe there's an exception here. Maybe there's someone here that, you know, you're struggling and you don't have what you need. Listen, as a church, how many of y'all know we should be like the Apostle Paul who says in Galatians 10 that he was very eager to remember the poor. How many of y'all know we should be very eager to remember the poor? Because listen to me, most of us in here, by other standards in the world, we are rich. The poorest in here, you're probably very rich in comparison to people in other parts of the world. Can we give God praise one more time? Just say, thank you, God, for providing for us. Thank you, God, for meeting our needs. And so... As we look at this prayer, on one hand, it's, well, it's like a ritual. It's something that we can just pray because we're taught to pray it. Sometimes we pray it because, like, we really need God to come through. But I think sometimes we can pray this petition and it not really mean anything to us because we have so much around us. And, And here's what I want you to see. Let's be honest. Most, if not all of us, have plenty of resources and do not have to worry about daily provision. And let me be very balanced and clear. There is nothing wrong with you, with me, with us having lots of resources, food, and money. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that having things is wrong or sinful. Someone said, well, money is the root of all evil. How many of y'all know the Bible doesn't say that? It's the what? The love of money that's the root of all evil. Having things in itself, that's not wrong, that's not sinful. Are y'all with me? So if you're really, really rich here, know that, well, that's probably the blessing of God on your life, and there's nothing wrong with having a lot of food in your refrigerator and a lot of money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen carefully, everyone here, including me. This is for me too. There is nothing wrong with us having lots of money and resources, but sometimes, let me be very careful with my words, sometimes having more can lead to us depending less on God. Does that make sense? I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying sometimes if we're not careful, the more that we have can lead to us, a mindset of us depending on God less and less and less. And the logic in that sort of mindset would be, well, why do I need to? I already have everything around me. But if you think about that, that is an illogical way to look at it because if you have things around you, Maybe you work to get those things. Maybe someone passed along those things to you. But at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge as Christians, don't we, that every good thing in our lives was given to us by God. And so we have to make sure that in the midst of all of the provision that we don't forget the provider. In the midst of the blessing that we don't lose sight of the blesser, the one who's given us all the good things that we have. So there's a danger. we got to be careful here. In the midst of having so much food, so many resources, we must be careful to make sure that we don't fall into that trap of thinking that our hands and our goodness and our ability alone provided the things that we have. Someone said, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a self-made man, a self-made millionaire. And I look at him and I say, no, you're a blood-bought miracle. 
And maybe your hand worked hard to get those things, but it was God's hand that guided you and your heart to get those things. He gave you the energy, the wisdom, the ability to do it all. And at the end of the day, our praise should go to him. If you're very wealthy, you should give a lot of praise to God because God's given you that ability to create wealth. So at the end of the day, it comes back to who? It goes back to who? To God. So don't forget that. This is for me. This is for all of us. Because by other standards in the world, we, we are here a very wealthy group of people. But, but here's what I want you to see. Though this is the case, that there are some people who have a lot and therefore depend on God less. They don't pray, God, give me this day my daily bread because I got so much. Though that's true for many people who have a lot. On the other hand, I know some very, very rich people, by our standards, who depend upon God more than some poor people that I know do. So do you understand? It's not about how much money you have in the bank. It's not about how many things that you have or don't have. What this comes down to is a heart posture, a heart posture of dependence on God. God, I need you today, and I'm going to need you tomorrow. Without you, I can do nothing. God, you are my provider, and I trust in you, and I'm grateful for you. So you can be poor and pray that way. You can be rich and pray that way. But it's a heart posture that looks to God as our source. How many of y'all know you serve God who is the supply who never runs dry? He's the eternal God, the infinite God. And no matter how big your need is, you have a God, I promise, who is even bigger, infinitely bigger than anything that you need. But, but here's, here's what I want you to see in this, in this verse. This is a verse that helps reposture us before God. It's a verse that humbles us. And repositions us before God, reminding us that every good thing comes from him. And so, just the other night, I was out praying at about almost 11 o'clock at night, walking up and down my street. And I was praying the Lord's Prayer. And I was going through it. And I came to this part. God, and I, and I prayed, God, give me this day. My, and I just stopped. And I looked back and I'm like, wait a minute. You've already done that. I got through the day and I had everything that I needed. Think about all the times God has met your needs and has come through for you, and you forgot to ask. How many of y'all know some of the best things in, I can say in my life were things that I had nothing to do with in the sense of I married the best. I married Kelly Suzanne Cherry. Back in high school, I prayed that God would, 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 uh, would help me marry another Kelly. But as old Garth Brooks used to sing, I thank God for unanswered prayers. How many of y'all sometimes look back to high school and somebody you thought you were going to marry and you start singing a little Garth Brooks? How many of y'all know all prayers answered? It's yes, no, or not now, or no. You know, there's always an answer. God knew that I needed Kelly. He knew that I would need everything in my life. He had a plan beforehand, so the provision is not dependent on me to sit down and go through an encyclopedic list of everything that I think I need. Your God knows what we need before we ask, but he wants us to come in a heart posture before him, dependent on him. So your heavenly Father knows what you need, but he still wants to hear from you. He still wants to hear from you. He still wants you to be dependent on him with these words, give us this day our daily bread. It's a heart posture. Everybody say heart posture. 
And maybe the clearest example of this principle is seen in the story of the rich young man. If you want to turn there quickly, Matthew chapter 19. This is a powerful story that really illustrates this truth very clearly and powerfully. The Bible tells us in Matthew, it says, And behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have what? Eternal life. And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the what? Keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as, your, as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. He said to him, if you would be perfect, complete and mature in your desire and in the reality of your life, go sell what you possess and give to the, give to the poor and you will have treasure where? In heaven. And come, here's the invitation, come, follow me. When the young man heard this, what did he do? He went away sorrowful for he had what? Great possessions. Now, here's the picture. God himself, the word made flesh, is right in front of this man, offering him eternal life. Here is Jesus offering a man who had everything on earth, true riches in heaven, but this man went away sorrowful. What a tragedy to come face to face with God in the flesh. Him offer you true riches and eternal life, and because you're so in love with your stuff, you miss the offer of salvation. What a tragedy. And the problem here was not that this man had many things. The problem was that his many things had him. The rich young man's problem was not that he had money. The problem, and here's the key word, was that he depended, depended on his money more than God. And what a tragedy. Sadly, his great possessions kept him from possessing eternal life. What a tragedy. Eternal life right there offered to him. And because this man was so in love with his stuff, because he was so in love with his money, he missed the offer of the Messiah. What a tragedy. Jesus said then to his disciples, truly, I say to you, here's the message for us today. I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Only with difficulty. Verse 24. Again, I tell you, here, here it is. It is easier, picture this with me, for a camel to go through the eye of a what? Are y'all picturing a needle? picture a camel. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now that's a hard word, huh? If you're here and you're rich and you're not yet in the kingdom, or maybe if you are, if you are, you're like, it's a miracle. If you're not, you're like, ah, can I do it? Listen to the language here. Let me read it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly what? astonished. Why? Because in Jewish thought, 
Riches were a sign of God's favor. Here's this hard saying from Jesus. They're astonished, saying, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are, what? Possible. Now, some have said that, well, what Jesus is referring to here is that there was a, there was a gate in Jerusalem. In Jesus' time, when, that, that when camels approached this gate, they had to stoop and kneel in order to go under this gate or through this gate. And the, the truth is there's no evidence for that interpretation. Okay, but that's a nice thought, huh? What Jesus is basically doing here is he's giving them and, by extension, us a mental illustration. Picture a big camel, one of the largest animals of the day. He said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of, watch this, the smallest object in your home, the eye of, an, of a needle. Are you picturing the, the impossibility of that? Then for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. How many of y'all know that's a pretty clear picture? The impossibility of that is super clear. But what I want you to see here is that Jesus is not excluding rich people from the kingdom of God. How I many of y'all know Abraham was very rich? Isaac sowed his seed in a time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Somebody need to hear that. He sowed his seed in a time of famine but reaped a hundredfold. How many of y'all know you can be going through a time of famine when you're faithful to God and do what he says to do? You can still reap even though the rain's not falling and the ground's hard. Abraham was rich. Isaac and others in the Bible were rich. There's nothing sinful about having money. Jesus is not saying that because you're rich, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is that it is impossible, and this is for all of us here, it is impossible for us to enter into heaven if we are depending on our wealth, on our money, on our material things, on our works, on our good deeds, on the things we do. If we're depending on them, it's impossible to take all that through the gate to heaven. You cannot do it. Just like the camel can't go through the eye of the needle, you, if you're rich, you, if you're trusting in your riches especially, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that if you have money, you can't go. He's saying if you have that kind of dependence on money, then you cannot inherit true riches in heaven. Listen to me, everyone. Thank God for the blessing of God here on the earth. Amen? Thank God for the money. Thank God for material things. Thank God for this building. Thank God for our cars. Thank God for our homes. Thank God for our relationships. Amen? But don't let... The blessings of this world, the riches of this world, keep us from the true riches of heaven. That's the message. You can have the favor of God on your life. And if you're dependent on that and not him, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I just preached on the kingdom of God last week. And y'all remember, we pray, God, kingdom, let it come. God, let your will be done. We pray. How many of y'all know the kingdom is here? How many of y'all know the kingdom is here? Kingdom rule, kingdom authority, kingdom power, kingdom promises. How many of y'all know the kingdom is here? But we are to pray that it will continue to come. But the problem is not that the kingdom hasn't come. The problem is that some people love their life and their stuff more than they love God. And therefore they cannot, they will not enter into what God has for them. 
The problem is not that the kingdom hasn't come. The problem is that some people won't enter into it because they are so in love with their stuff. Here, Jesus is saying, with man, it's impossible. With you, it's impossible. If you on your own with your stuff and your money and your material things, you on your own apart from God have zero chance of entering into the kingdom of God. But he says with man, it's what? It's impossible. But with God, how many of y'all know all things are possible? Meaning you can be lost without hope, addicted in sin, in darkness, and you can have a lot of money, but if you realize that you are spiritually bankrupt apart from God, and you have that heart dependence that God, without you, I'm nothing, you're a great candidate for the kingdom of God. But do you see, it's a heart posture. It's not about the amount of money you have or don't have. It's a heart posture that all of us should realize by nature our spiritual bankruptcy before God. There is nothing you can bring to your salvation that Jesus will say, oh, that's impressive, come on in. You bring yourself with your junk in your trunk, you bring your sin, you bring it all, and Christ takes your sin, he pays for it on the cross, he gives you eternal life, and the only way to enter into the gates of heaven is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's, through a, that's in a man and a woman whose heart is solely dependent upon him, not their stuff. Is this making sense? Yes. So, back to the Lord's Prayer. This is a petition. Give us this day our daily bread. But it's also a reminder. It's a reminder as we pray. I prayed the other night, give me this day. Oh, well, God, you already gave me this day my daily bread. So, Lord, thank you. I, I, I forgot to ask this morning, but God provided. But, Lord, I'm here to say thank you. Thank you. You provided today. And, Lord, I'm asking you to provide again tomorrow, and he did, and he will. If you're worried today about provision, please know that you serve the God who spoke 100 billion galaxies into existence. He holds the stars in his hand. He gives each one of them names. He knows you by your name. He knows your need. He knows what you need before you even knew there was a need. And he's going to meet your need, not your greed. In the words of D.A. Carson, this is a prayer that the Lord, God, that you will meet our needs, listen, not our American greeds. It's a prayer that God would provide every single thing we need to do his will. And even if you've got enough food in your fridge for a month, you should still pray this petition every single day because it's your way and my way of acknowledging that God is my source. He is your source. And we need that reminder daily, don't we, of who we are on earth, who God is in heaven. When you pray this petition, it reminds you of who your God is. And hey, by the way, knowing that God is your provider doesn't mean that you shouldn't work. Hello. And I'm not thinking about anybody in particular here, but I'm thinking about a guy that used to go to church at the place I've had, the church I've helped pastor in Scottsdale, Arizona. And a guy who, he was a single guy, and he ran out, of, he you know, got fired from his job, and set of unfortunate circumstances and such. But 
he, he came up to me and said, Pastor God, I'm praying for a job. I said, man, I'm believing, I'm believing God with you. And I, in so many words, said, listen, keep looking for a job. Because if you don't have a job, your full-time job is to find a job. Keep on looking. Keep on, keep on putting your resume out. Well, God, watch this. God provided him several opportunities, several opportunities to work. And I'm like, and, and he didn't take the, the offer. And I said, man, why didn't you take the offer? He said, man, I'm trusting God to provide. I said, he just did three times. It's not that God has failed to provide. It's that you have failed to take his offer to work. He's provided the work, but you're sitting around trusting him. You're not trusting him. You're disobeying him. Does that make sense? We were created to work, so we don't sit around at home going, give me this day, my daily bread. Maybe he will, but God gives us daily bread. This is a picture of provision, not just for the food itself, but for the means, the energy, the ability to go work. Hey, some people hate their job. I, love, I don't even consider this a job. I can't wait to be here with y'all. Like, I can't wait to give all my energy to feeding you, to leading you. I mean, Pastor David would say the same thing, but God gives us the energy to do this. How many of y'all know, whatever work we do, we should thank God we have the ability, the cognitive, the emotional, emotional, the physical ability to work. I mean, I thank God that I can yell at y'all every Sunday. <laughs> Are y'all with me? So it's not, give me this day my daily bread and I'm not going to do a thing. I'm not going to lift a finger to go about getting it. No, God, God will provide, the way I've worded it here. Knowing that God is your provider doesn't mean you shouldn't work. It means that God is the one who will work it out for you as you look to him. My buddy in Scottsdale, as far as I know, waited around for years for the right job. And God had provided many. How many of y'all have ever had to work a job you didn't like? But you did it anyway because you had to provide? And I, and I want to sell you know who you are? That was your way of being a, a faithful Christian who's not led by your emotions and by what you feel entitled to receive. You worked to provide for your family. You may have, could have hated the job, but thank God you worked the job. And in that, watch this, God's name was hallowed in your life. God's name it's hallowed as we are faithful to him as we do. I mean, you know, God created us to work. He created us for that. But, you know, over the years, I don't know about y'all, I can say I've had so many, if not for God, moments. How about y'all? Like, you know, those times when in the moment, but especially after the moment, you look back and you're like, God, you're the only explanation for that. Let me see your hand. Look at y'all. I'm in the right church. God, you're the only explanation. Because in the natural, with man, it was impossible. But you made a way. Don't, don't just take this as one point in my sermon and move on. With me, thank God for those times. Thank you. Come on, y'all. Put your hands together. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, those moments after you were like, whoo, whoa. But that's my God. 
That's what he does. And I don't know about y'all, God likes to keep me uncomfortable. How about y'all? In many ways. Because, you know, you know, there's what's called under-challenged, and there's over-challenged. How many of y'all know if you're under-challenged, you get bored? If you're over-challenged, you get burned. But if you're appropriately challenged, and if you're in that appropriate discomfort zone, that's the place of dependence on God. So God likes to keep me there where I'm uncomfortable going, Lord, I really need you. Not under-challenged, not over-challenged, but appropriately challenged. But I don't know about y'all, I can look back into my own life and I can say that over the course of my life, especially my Christian life, I've prayed for God's provision and he delivered it. But not once did it literally fall from the sky. How about y'all? Anybody? It's a possibility, I don't know. God can do what he wants, you know. This is true in my life. What's your story? In almost every situation, the blessing of God came through the people of God. Oh, give us, us today, our daily bread. How many of y'all know oftentimes the blessing of God is delivered through people in our lives? So, a couple of years ago, we were in great need here. And God saw fit to send Pastor David and Tara and their children to this campus. And they are a means of blessing and provision here for us at this campus. How many of y'all know God knew what we needed before we even knew to ask? And I can give so many examples of people here. How many of y'all know the blessing often comes in the form of people? And I've said this back at Christmas. Let me say it again. I love to get things in the mail. You can send me a cardboard box with a, hey, Pastor Scott, what's up note in it. And I'll be like, this is awesome. <laughs> I love to get packages in the mail. I love, I love ordering books. I need another book like a Katie Anna needs another car wash, but I love my books. <laughs> How about y'all? If you own a car wash and just started one, praise God. One more, one more, one more. Are y'all with me? I love getting things in the mail. I, I, I love it when God delivers the blessing to me in the form of people. But here's what we have to be careful of. Remember this. People deliver the package, but the provision comes from God. So don't praise. We give thanks for the package. But we give honor, glory, and praise to the one who sent the package in the blessing, the provision into our lives. And hey, sometimes it's frustrating, right? Sometimes you make the request. Sometimes, it, it, you know, it's prime delivery. It comes in two to three days. Hey, thank God for the times when God expeditiously overnighted that blessing into your life through a person in your life. Sometimes your delivery is hung up somewhere sitting on a boat in the Atlantic. But how many of y'all know the blessing will eventually arrive in your life, not too early, not too late, if God has decided to provide nothing and no one can stop that in your life. So we give thanks and we give praise to God, but we also show honor to the people that God places in our lives. And everybody said, amen. amen. So as we begin to land here, let me, let me ask a question and then answer it. 
So based on everything I've said, should you go sell your possessions and give it all to me? You know the answer to that. No, that's not the question. Should you sell all your possessions and give the rest away? It's a fair question, isn't it? Based on what we read in Matthew chapter 19. Let me answer that question with the help of the Apostle Paul. Y'all good? We're almost done. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Listen to what Paul says. And really, this is for all of us here. Okay. As for the rich in this present age, charge them, Timothy, not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on, but on, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, verse 19, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Notice, Paul didn't say, tell the rich in the congregation at Ephesus to sell everything that they have to give it away to the poor. I'm sure some did that. But he didn't say that for all the Christians there. He didn't say, sell it, get rid of it all, and be broke. He didn't say that. Instead, he says, hey, go tell the rich. Hey, hey, rich people in the congregation, loved by God, you who have passed through the eye of the needle with the help of dependence on God, don't forget this. Don't be haughty. Don't be arrogant. Don't set your hope. You got riches, don't set your hope on them. Set your hope on God. D don't, don't, don't depend on that stuff. Depend on God. And by the way, you're rich, good for you. Be rich in good deeds. You know, sometimes in this community, maybe because the way you were raised, like we have this like allergic reaction when we hear go do good deeds. You're like, well, I tried that. I'm not very good at that. And we say things like, well, we can't earn our way to heaven, which is true. But we don't do good works to get saved. But how many of y'all know as Christians, as believers, because we are saved, Good works should flow from the riches of Christ and what he's done in our lives. And you might not have that much money, but you do have spiritual gifts, and you do have the word of God, and you can give people your time, and you can give people your attention. Sometimes five minutes of attention will bless somebody beyond measure. How many of y'all know we have more than we think we do? Yeah, we do, man. So tell the rich, don't put your hope. And those things put your hope in God and be generous be generous are y'all generous you don't have to answer out loud are you generous be generous if you don't have that much you can still be generous give live that way give as it's been given to you give be an open vessel of blessing a conduit a pipeline a blessing. He says, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Because how many of y'all know from experience? Money, it comes and it goes. It goes very quickly when you have four children. Things come and they go. 
Homes are great. We have a beautiful home. One day, that home will rot. It's going to crack. It's going to wear down. How many of y'all know the world is wearing down? You go get a new vehicle. You drive it off the lot. It just depreciated a bunch. The world is wearing down. We try to keep things up. We do maintenance. But inevitably, things break down. Money comes and goes. Material things, they come and they go. But aren't you thankful that you serve the God of all creation who never gets tired. He never runs out. He never runs dry. He is the very great I am, the one who always has been, the one who always will be, who cannot be improved upon. He doesn't get better. He is all by him, big self, the holy, thrice holy God of all creation who loves you and takes care of you. So, Arthur Pink says something very profound. He says, instead of a river, God often gives us a brook. And I'm ashamed. Arthur Pink, it's a coulee, not a brook, right? Okay. There are no creeks in Louisiana. I just learned that. Thank you, Mr. Walter Arsenault. Right? Is that right? It's not a creek. It's a coulee. Okay, I stand corrected. I should have known that. I've been here 11 years. Instead of a river, God often gives us a brook, which may be running today and dried up tomorrow. Why? That could be your job. That could be anything. Why? To teach us not to rest in our blessings, but in the blesser himself. Man, things run dry. Sources and supplies, they run dry temporarily. That is to cause you and me not to rely on the earthly source, but to look to our heavenly source whose supply never, ever, ever runs dry. You say, I'm worried I might get laid off. Listen, I get it. But your employer, your ultimate employer, is not the man or the woman you work for on earth. Your ultimate employer is God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Not to give you everything that you want, but to give you everything that you need. And God has an interest in giving some people a lot so that they can do a lot. But whatever you have, know this, it's not just for you. It is for the people in your life to be blessed so you can be a blessing. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread. God, give me the bread I need for me, but give me the bread that I need to help other people because sometimes the blessing comes through people. It doesn't fall from the sky. It comes through my generosity to other people. See how that works. In conclusion, here's what I want you to see. The Lord's Prayer, it reminds us, doesn't it, that the kingdom comes with power, but it also comes with provision. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? When the kingdom comes, it comes in power. But in that kingdom, you have a king who also gives all the provision that his people need. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. I want y'all to really receive this, especially those of you who are anxious today. 
and maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's about something else. It's about who you're going to marry, where you're going to work, what you're going to do with your life. Okay. Jesus says, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? I love this. Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after these things. In other words, those non-Jews who don't serve the true God of heaven. Gentiles, they seek after those things. He says, instead, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, but look, seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Seek first the kingdom. We pray, Father, let your kingdom what? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first God's rule. Seek first his righteousness. Watch this. And then everything you need, he says, and all these things will be what? Added unto. So the message here is don't seek things. Seek the one who graciously gives you all things. Don't seek after those things. Don't let those things be the driving point of your life. Though those things can be important. Seek God. Get connected with God. Pray daily to your Father, my Father, our Father, who is in heaven. Give me my daily bread. And God loves us so much. I've looked back in my life, and I've done this in my Bible. I have marked scriptures, passages that I've stood on. Times in my life, as mentioned earlier, when in the natural, there is no way. And I've stood on the word. I've stood on the promises. So this is not just a message. This is my life. I say before y'all, your God is faithful. My God is faithful. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. The one above you loves you and cares for you and will make a way somehow so that your need is met and his name is hallowed. And probably the greatest, clearest indication that God is our provider is that God sent Jesus to this world. Jesus is the bread of heaven, the bread of life, sent from heaven to this earth. Whoever feeds on Christ, drinks his blood, eats his flesh, which is a metaphor for saying, whoever receives me will have eternal life. How many of you know Jesus is the bread of life? Someone said, you better believe in the bread of life or you'll be toast. Paul says it this way, he, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, God met your greatest need of salvation by providing Jesus, the lamb, the bread of heaven. He provided that, he provided him. And if he met that need, how many of y'all know everything else is easy? If he met your eternal needs, won't he certainly meet your earthly needs? 
Amen? Answer? Yeah. And so today we're going we're gonna to take communion together. And I want you to grab the elements now. If you didn't receive them on the way in, ushers, if you will, hand them out. You can just raise your hand if that's you. Okay, we're taking care of. See, the Lord provided through the ushers. Thank you, ushers. But I want you, if you will, to stand to your feet now with me, and we're going to conclude by taking communion together. How many are thankful for the Lord? Thankful for His provision. You don't have to be a member of our church today to partake. We just ask that you believe in Jesus that you surrender to him, that you look to him. If you will, go ahead and peel back the first layer. Now I want you to hold it up. This bread representing Jesus, the bread of life, the bread of heaven. Let's lift it up now. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming from heaven to the earth. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God for providing so richly everything we need in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we're in this attitude of prayer, before we partake, right now with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, with the bread lifted, if there's any sin in your life, anything you've not repented of, any attitude or action that you've not repented of, that you know God hates, something in your life you know God detests, if you've, if you've not yet confessed that, do so now. Just take it to the Lord right now as you hold up the symbol of your salvation right now. Search your heart. Search your heart. Search your mind. Search your marriage. Search your life. By the Holy Spirit, say, God, search me. Know me. Show me everything that's unclean, that's sinful in me. Right now, hold up the bread. Hold up the bread. As you consider your sin, as you confess your sins right now, hold up the bread. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you came from heaven to the earth. And we thank you you came to die on the cross. We thank you you came to live and to die and to rise for us. But Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your death. Thank you for your body like bread that was broken so that we can have fellowship, so we can have eternal food, so that we can feast with you forever, God. We thank you, bread of life. We thank you, bread of heaven. We thank you, Jesus. When you're ready, go ahead and partake of the bread. And then when you're able, go ahead and pull back the second layer. Hold up that cup with the juice that represents the blood of the lamb. Father, thank you for the provision of the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for the cleansing provided. Lord, we thank you all of our sins are paid for, not in part, but the whole. You have made a way. You have made provision. And so, Lord, we partake now. Go ahead whenever you're ready. The ushers are going to come by and hand hand you the bucket. You can place your trash there. Come on, let's sing one more time. How many of y'all are thankful for the Lord today? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing. Let's worship. Let's sing. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your voices. 
this morning. Where are my men at? Man, man, we got like five guys in this church. Hey, September 18th is going to be a Monday night. We are going to have a men's night right here at Midtown. We are going to do the Saints and the Panthers on Monday night football and all the men grunted like the tool man. All right, the other announcement they have this morning is the 24th, I believe, the Sunday, we're going to do Baptism Sunday. If you want any information about baptism, you want to sign up, we're going to put a QR code up here, or you can text OSC Midtown to 94000. And then lastly, just like every Sunday, we will have our prayer team right up here in the front. That way, if you guys need prayer for any reason whatsoever, we would love to pray with you. Hey, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the words that you spoke to us today, God. We ask you help us to walk out of here knowing with full confidence that you will give us what we need when we need it, God, that you always show up for us. Father, we ask you continue to, to prune us, to grow us, to challenge us, God. We ask you guide us.